I see myself not only as a role model, but also as a leader, also as a person that can inspire some of my siblings and nieces and nephews to take their game spiritually, mentally, physically, academically to a next level in life. Welcome to Digging Deep, True Stories of Big Change. Each episode of this podcast digs deep into one person's story of change to reveal a little bit about how and why we make big changes in our lives and what can be learned from these experiences. I'm your host, Kelly Styring, founder and principal researcher from Insight Farm, a consultancy that helps companies learn from their customers and consumers through deep conversation and connection, often told as stories like the one you'll hear on this podcast. So let's get the conversation started. Today's guest is Paul Lamar Hunter, the 19th of 21 naturally born children, truly raised by what can only be thought of as a village of siblings, community, and even the residents of a homeless shelter founded by his mother. Mr. Hunter, in his own words, focused on his purpose and not his circumstances to become not only the first in his family to graduate from college, but to emerge as an author. PR professional, and motivational speaker. I hope you enjoy this inspiring conversation as much as I did. If you were going to describe your story in a headline, what would that headline be? Determined. Determined in what way? Determined to become successful in a family that had experienced adversity, a man that overcame all the odds a man that had courage, a man that had a strong faith, a man that had the desire, that had vision, that had focus, that had a can-do attitude. And the attitude that he had is that never give up. How would you define success? Well, success, success to me is is not because I have a degree, but success to me is giving back to the community, going back into the suburbs, the inner city, and reaching the youth and telling your personal story of success, how you came, a person like me, came from a family of 21 and beat the odds, beat the odds and became the first to graduate from college. So before we go back into that history, because I do want to learn more about that, you aspired for education. Yes. What do you think inspired you to seek out education as a way to make a big change? What happened is I had an opportunity to learn my family lineage, my mom's lineage, my dad lineage. And what I discovered is that no one on my mom's side or my dad's side, never graduated from college. So I wanted to be the first in the Hunter family to pursue an education. And so I I did that. And so I'm happy that I laid the foundation because now a lot of my nieces and nephews recently graduated college. I just had a niece um, last month receive her bachelor's degree. So I am thrilled and I am just happy for her. I tell people 
you must put your purpose over your circumstances. Do not magnify your circumstances. Magnify your purpose. Because when you magnify your purpose, you begin to, you begin to focus. You begin to have that vision. You begin to see yourself as a teacher. You begin to see yourself as a diplomat of education. You begin to see yourself as an entrepreneur. You begin to see yourself as a uh, producer. You begin to see yourself as a teacher. You begin to see yourself as a social worker. So, you know, you have to really magnify your purpose and see yourself walking in that purpose. My story is a story that will transcend people's lives. People are so surprised that this man, mother, birthed 21 natural children, and he's the only child to graduate from college. So my story gives them hope. So let's go back in time and let's talk about the family structure and the way it's had so much influence on you and your growth. Well, my father worked two jobs. My mom worked a part-time job. So a lot of my siblings had to forego their education. And I would not be sitting here doing this interview if it wasn't for my mom, my dad, and also my siblings, especially the ones that had to forego their education. But they were good at teaching. A lot of my brothers and sisters were good at teaching. And so what they did was they laid a foundation, not only for me, but for, for, for their children as well. But they, they taught us the basics of, of education. And so um, I give a lot of credit to my older siblings because I would not be here today talking to, to you. And okay. so the, the family structure in the Hunter family is it, it was it was functional and also at times it was you know dysfunctional because when you come from a family of 21 children, you know you're gonna have functional moments and dysfunctional moments as well. And where were you in that birth order? 21 natural children, where were you? I, I am the 19th child out of 21 children. So I am the baby boy in the family. <laughs> and what was that like for you growing up? Oh, oh my, my older siblings uh, uh, will uh, pick on me. Uh, Sometimes they would have to discipline me and my young sisters. And I remember one time, um, we didn't have any bowls, cereal bowls in the house. And so my baby sister and my other sister, the, the 21st child and the 20th child and myself, the 19th child, we were sitting in the kitchen on the floor eating cereal out of a big old pot. And, and we end up, you know, taking milk and throwing it on the floor. And my siblings end up spanking us for doing that. And we made a pack together that when we become adults, we were going to get them back for, 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 for spanking us, you know? <laughs> so it's interesting that you mentioned that. So in, with such a broad age range, right? So it takes at least nine months to have a baby. So 21 children over the course of close to a couple of decades of time, did subgroups of siblings emerge? Yes, yes. Some, some, some groups uh, did emerge, but let, let me break it down to you. My mom actually birthed 21 children. So if, if you do the math, my mom stayed pregnant for 15 years and nine months. <laughs> so 
she has won a lot of championships because she did it back to back to back to back. You know, you might hear about Brett Farr won a Super Bowl, Terry Bradshaw won a Super Bowl, Aaron Rodgers, Joe Montana, and, 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 and Steve Young. She has more Super Bowl wings than those guys. <laughs> so talk to me a little bit about some of the challenges and some of the joys of growing up in that environment. Some of the challenge, the challenge was academically in the Hunter family. And it was, it was very difficult for us um, academically because my mother and father, they, they weren't um, educated men and women. They were not in the business of promoting education. They just wanted us to graduate from high school and go get a job and work in a factory because that's what my dad did. And so that's what they wanted us to do is to follow in their footsteps. And so when it came to academics, a lot of my siblings, and especially me, we struggle academically. But the good part is that we went to a lot of these community centers, we went to the churches, and they helped us academically, because if some of my sisters and brothers didn't know about science, we will go to the community center and get that extra help or go to the church to get that um, extra extra help. The, the good thing is in the Hunter family on Sundays, my mother and father would get up early in the morning because we had to be at church at 10 o'clock. They would get up at six in the morning they would start cooking the meals, the chicken, the ham hocks, the sweet potato pies, the greens, and the potato salad. Every time when we would turn home for church, we would sit at that big old kitchen table. Well, we had two kitchen tables, one in one room and another one in another room. So, and also um, the pastor would come over or the assistant pastor would come over and we would sit at that table. He We'll pray and we will eat and we will have productive conversation. We weren't running in front of the television or uh, or in front of our um, cell phone or iPod. We were having productive conversations at the table. And in today's society, we need to get back to that. My understanding is that at some point you lost your brother and your father. Can you talk to me about that? Yes. Uh, 1976, uh, a house fire broke out into our home. And my brother, Michael, he was able to get everybody out except me and my brother, Thomas. And we were trapped. And there was two firemen that came to save us. and at that particular time, my brother Paul was very weak, according to the firemen at that time. And so they tried to get us downstairs, which they did, but fire was consuming everywhere. And I mean, everywhere. And so my mother was so old fashioned that she kept uh, a garbage can filled with flour. One was filled with flour. The other one was filled with sugar. And so they empty out the contents and they placed my brother and they placed me in there and they ran right through the fire and burst right through the window and they uh, took us right to the hospital. Uh, a couple of days later, my brother died. I survived 
And um, that tragedy really rocked the Hunter family. Not only did it rock the Hunter family, but I believe that it really destroyed my mother and father relationship, their marriage. And after that, it was on and off with my mother and father. And two years later, my father went home to go visit his mom in Fadville, Mississippi. And then he was killed in a car crash. So these losses, how do they impact you specifically? I grew up with a lot of anger. I grew up with bitterness. I grew up with resentment because I saw kids in the neighborhood playing with their dad. And um, I didn't have my dad. And it really, it really bothered, it really bothered me. I just grew up mean and 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 just wanted to act out in school because the loss of my brother, the loss of my father, those back-to-back deaths really shook the Hunter family. It really brought us down to a level of uncomfortable. And, and so, so how do you think you how do you think you emerged from the other side of that? I emerged because I was able to get help like some of my siblings were able to get help from the church and also from the uh, from the community. So I came out strong. I came out healthy. I came out with a new vision, with, with new hope. And, and as a father of four today, uh, I know how it is to, to, to be a parent. And that's the reason why I'm in constantly involved in my children's life um, today. And I had that opportunity to raise my children, to teach them how to read, to do homework with them, to go on bike rides, to take them to the zoo, to take them trick-or-treating, to go shopping with them, to tell them that I love them. And, and so those things I never really had with my father, but I, I enjoyed it with my children. In an environment with so many siblings, how did you carve out an identity for yourself? How did you distinguish yourself? Well, I knew at a young age that I was different from my siblings because I had a vision at a young age that I was going to be, become an author, that I was going to accomplish the, uh, the impossible. It was a struggle, but in that struggle, I made progress. In that struggle, it was a lot of no's, but those no's converted over to yes. And so it, it really increased my faith. It really increased my vision. It really increased that attitude of never giving up. Do you think these obstacles actually inspired you or encouraged you? It inspired me. It encouraged me to just keep, keep moving. And, and a lot of people told me no. And I told myself, there's somebody out there that will say yes. I read somewhere that at one point your mother actually established a homeless shelter. Can you talk to me about that? Yes. Uh, my mother started the first homeless shelter in the state of Wisconsin in, in 1970. And if you go to my book, you will see that she's standing outside the first homeless shelter in the city of Wisconsin, which is in Racine, Wisconsin, and she was pregnant with me. 
Awesome. So you have a pre-baby picture. How did that um, add to either the function or the dysfunction of your household? Well, my mother was so focused on helping the homeless shelter instead of helping her children. So, you know, uh, she got involved with helping um, the downtrodden, but she was an absent parent at home. She would put all of her energy and time and focus into the into the homeless into the homeless shelter, and a lot of my siblings after school, especially myself, we had to go over to the homeless shelter, and at time it was a blessing, and also it was a curse. But for me, it became a blessing. Looking back on it in retrospect, it really became a blessing because. I met so many extraordinary men and women that came through those doors and they taught me about character. They taught me about education. They taught me even don't do drugs, don't do alcohol, because if you do, you're going to become addicted to it and you're going to become homeless just like me. And that's the reason why I'm, I'm 51 years old and I never did drugs. I never did alcohol. So it was a blessing for me to be around those men and women. Based on your story, it seems as though you absorb education wherever you can get it. You're getting it from your siblings. You're getting it from people at the shelter. You're getting it through more traditional means. Do you, I read somewhere that you call yourself a diplomat of education. <laughs> Talk to me a little bit more about that. Well, I consider myself a diplomat of education because I can relate to uh, people who are in the suburbs, inner city, uh, rich people, middle class people, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I can really come to 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 your level and 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 talk to you. And the diplomat of education, that person goes around and he or she inspired men and women to go back and get their high school diploma, GED, a college degree. And so that's what I do today as, as, as a diplomat. Talk to me about your book. What's it called and what's it about? No Love, No Charity, The Success of the 19 Child. It's just a book about uh, a young man like me, went against the odds, came from a family of 21 and people in the inner city thought that I will never graduate uh, from college. And they were shocked to see that I had laid the foundation for the next generation in their family, in my family, and all over the world of these people that come from poverty, come from the inner city. I just laid the foundation. And, and the book talks about that. And, and in the book, I talk about my relationship with, with my parents, my relationship with my siblings, my relationship with my kids. And also I uh, talk about graduation day. And I'll talk about that because no one showed up at my graduation. My mom didn't show up, my siblings didn't show up and I was there all alone. But that day, you know, this young girl named Dominique and as we were walking in, she said, Mr. Hunter, there's no one here to cheer you all. And I said, no. She said, well, I am going to cheer for you. And then a young lady, Jasmine, heard the conversation. She said, yes, when they call your name, 
we are going to cheer for you. And, and that's what they did. And that's, to me, that's very important. You know, you go to a big dance and that was a big dance for me and no one was there to cheer you on, but unexpected people was there to cheer me on. And that's what matters to me. Are you still close with your siblings today? Oh, I talk to them all the time. Uh, I communicate with them all the time. I hold no um, grudges or animosity toward them because, you know, when you put me in the gray, resentment, animosity, unforgiveness, all of that is gone for me. You know, put me in the grave. I'm going to be clean. <laughs> How big is the family now? Oh, it's, it's 17 of us um, living today, 63 grandchildren and 87 great grandchildren. <laughs> have they ever all been together? Have you done a reunion of any kind? All the siblings have been together uh, before, the, before the pandemic, but after the pandemic, we haven't. So once the pandemic is over, I think we will get together and, and, and celebrate life and, and celebrate um, not only life, but you know our, our grandchildren, because we all, right now, we at a different level in our lives. Now, my sisters, my brothers, they are grandparents now, and I just became a grandparent um, two years ago, so I'm excited about that. Well, congratulations. What's next for you? What does the future hold? Well, I'll tell you what, my book has been adapted into a screenplay. There's a lot of production companies that have it. So anything can happen at any time. What else? What's beyond the screenplay? What does the future hold for you? I still want to go around and, 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 and speak um, to young men and young women um, about the importance of education and never giving up. I want to let them know that if they want to be successful, that they have to they have to be reliable, they have to be honest, they have to be practical, they have to be kind, they have to be gentle, they have to be strong, they have to be thoughtful, you know, trustworthy. I just want them to to, to know what it takes to be successful. If a guy like me come from a family of 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 20 and and experience hardship, experience poverty, experience sometime going to school with no food in, 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 in his stomach, that, that they can accomplish anything they want if they put their mind to it. Thank you for joining us today on Digging Deep, True Stories of Big Change. I'm your host, Kelly Styring, founder and principal researcher from Insight Farm. At Insight Farm, we help companies make their products better through conversation and connection with consumers, often told as stories like the one you've heard today. If you'd like us to help you with consumer research, or if you'd like to participate in this podcast and tell your story, reach out at www.insightfarm.com. We look forward to the conversation.